Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Good morning, everyone. It is August 17th, 2016, and you are listening to Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And just a quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at OmagicDaily, and you can also download the podcast directly to your iTunes-enabled listening device via iTunes, Audioboom, and Stitcher. I know some people have asked about downloading it directly to their computer uh, who don't have iTunes. Uh, Stitcher is probably your best bet for that, although uh, I'm sure you can do it through Audioboom as well. Uh, just uh, those, are, those are your listening options at the moment. Uh, on today's episode, it's going to be a, a pretty tight episode this morning uh, because I do have a podcast coming up later. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about how the Magic can get more from Alfred Payton and what to expect from him after a disappointing sophomore season. Uh, And then I'm also going to touch briefly on the Magic's lack of national television appearances and what that means for the team. Of course, today, but first we're going to start off with the kind of big news in the basketball world. Today is the quarterfinals of the Olympic basketball tournament, uh, for the men's side at least, uh, and a big day of basketball. I'm actually recording this at about 10 a.m. when the first game is getting set to tip off between Lithuania and Australia. Should be a really fantastic game. You'll probably be listening to this after it's over. I would go back on NBCOlympics.com and watch it. It's probably going to be a very, very good game. The four games today, Lithuania, Australia will be the the tip-off. Spain versus France at about 1 p.m. USA versus Argentina at 5.45 p.m. And then the nightcap at 9.30. I believe it's 9.30. Hold on. Let me double-check that make sure everyone can watch that. Sorry. That is at 9.15. At 9.15, the nightcap on the Olympic Basketball Channel, Serbia versus Mario Hazonia and Croatia. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Olympic basketball tournament here on the podcast, uh, especially when it comes to Team USA and especially when it comes to Mario Azonia. But each of these four games should be absolutely dynamic. Australia, outside of the USA, has probably been the best team in this tournament. They're taking on a Lithuania team that was that looked like world beaters uh, through the beginning three games of the tournament. It got blown out by 50 to Spain and then took a surprising loss to a hot-shooting Croatian team. Uh, it should be a really good game. Australia plays really, really physical. Uh, Andrew Bogut has been has looked really has looked healthy. He he, missed, he didn't miss a game for rest, but he's looked very healthy and very strong. And they just they they outwork you. And, and so I would expect Australia to win this game against Lithuania today. Although Lithuania plays a very precise and particular style of, of play when they're when they're quick and they're very very tough. But Lithuania showed signs throughout the tournament that they weren't quite right. They gave up. They nearly gave up a thirty point lead to Brazil in the opener, and obviously they got beat pretty bad in their final two games. Uh, Australia would be my pick. I actually have them winning the silver medal as the bracket shakes out. The second game is probably the marquee. As, as, I don't even know if it's the marquee game of the day, but it's certainly a, a good second main event, if, if not that. France versus Spain, the two traditional powers, uh, or the two modern traditional powers of European basketball. France, Tony Parker, uh, Nicholas Batum, Rudy Gobert, 
they 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 have been a bit of a disappointment to be frank uh on this stage they they really struggled uh with their with their play and uh getting where they need to be and, and they just haven't lived up to the hype i know a lot of us would probably say they they need evan fournier I would probably agree with that. They need another outside shooter and a guy like Evan Fournier. And they're ta- they're taking on a Spain team that is simply playing its best basketball at the right moment. Spain has been very, very good since losing their first two games of the tournament, including that buzzer beater to Croatia. Pau Gasol is Pau Gasol. Uh, Sergio, Sergio Lul is playing very, very well as, as well. You've got... Uh, uh, Rudy Fernandez, Ricky Rubio has played has, has started to come around. The Spain team, they know how to play together. They never panicked when they were down, uh, and I expect them to to take take home a win and set up a a, a marquee uh, semifinal against the winner of the next game of the day. That'll come at five fifteen uh, or five forty five, I believe, actually, on NBC Sports Network. The USA versus Argentina. Most of us know the problems with the USA team. They play a little. They play way too much isolation basketball. They really struggle to move the ball, get out in transition. Especially their defense has been a wreck. But at the end of the day, they still have the largest uh, net rating differential. They still have the largest. They still have the best offensive rating in the tournament. They have one of the better defensive ratings in the tournament. Believe it or not, it, they are just aren't dominating teams the way we're used to seeing them dominate teams. At the same time, this is an Argentina team that's not afraid of the U.S. They've got a lot of veterans. They know how to play. Uh, they've played the U.S. in a friendly. They got beat up, but you know, who, they, you know, who knows if they were actually playing playing their their star guys that day. Uh, and they're they're gonna hang around. They're gonna make life difficult for the USA. This is a very dangerous game today for the USA. Don't it, it, the USA is it, it has to think. We may not win a medal. We've got to take these guys seriously, and we've got to win this game. Uh, obviously, it's a knockout stage. They should do that. But this is not a game they're going to be able to walk in and do it. They've got to execute well and, and be effective because their last three games uh, against the, against the other three teams that advanced out of this re- out of the out of their group, they struggled mightily. They they took leads, gave them up. Their their offense was inconsistent. They have enough talent to win this game running away. They have enough talent to win this game easily. But it's not going to be easy. Argentina is going to make them fight for everything. And the U.S. better come focused with a playoff mentality and playoff intensity if they want to win and have a chance to take on Spain or France in the, in the semifinal on Friday. The final match of the evening is Croatia versus Serbia. Two very good teams. Uh, Croatia is a bit of a surprise to me, honestly. We've watched them play a lot. They have a lot of iso ball. Uh, they run. They have good players. I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic has played fantastic. Dario Saric has been very impressive to me. His playmaking is a lot better than I thought it was, uh, and he's been very. He's been good. And, and as much as much as we've been frustrated with Mario Hazonia's role, Mario Hazonia has done his job well, and he's made a lot. He's ten of sixteen. I think are not ten of nineteen on three pointers this tournament. He's done a good job doing what they need him to do. And if he, I mean, he can get hot and, and that Croatian team can obviously get hot like they did against Lithuania. They can score with the best of them. The importance for Croatia, and watch this as you're watching the game tonight, they have to make sure they move the ball. They can't get bogged down in, in running. Bogged down is the right term because they can't get Bogdanoviched and, and get caught running a lot of isolation play. They've got to play good defense and they've got to be willing to 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 scratch and claw for this one. They can't re- they can't rest on their laurels and relax on anything. This is a good Serbia team. Uh Teodosic 
has probably been the best point guard in the entire tournament. Uh, he's very, very good, very, very crafty getting into the lane. Uh, and Serbia has has played well. Um, they're, they're, they're a sneaky, gritty team. Uh, and so I, I have Serbia winning this game. I, I, I Croatia just bugs me, uh, even though they found a way to win every single one of these games. Uh they, they, they. I, I, I think their streak, their, their hot streak, kind of runs out, and, and they, and they fall. But should be a good game. Should be an exciting watch. And I'm looking forward to a fantastic day of basketball. I'm already watching it. Uh, Australia is up six nothing here early in the first quarter. So be sure to watch that on USA in the af- in the morning and early afternoon. The U.S. is on NBC Sports Network, and Croatia is on NBCOlympics.com for streaming. Or you can catch them on the Olympic Basketball Channel if you get get it. Went a little long there, so I want to move on to our big question of the day. How do the Magic get more from Alfred Payton? It's honestly kind of one of the quiet questions of this offseason. We focused a lot on Aaron Gordon, on uh, uh, on Nikola Vucevic, especially on a lot of the a lot of the roster moves that have been made. And there's been a shift at every position in the Magic lineup except for one. And that's a point guard with Alfred Payton. Payton is still something of an enigma. Last season, his numbers were pretty flat. He averaged 10.7 points per game, a, a slight but significant improvement over his rookie year. He grabbed, yeah, dished out 6.4 assists per game, a slight dip but not significantly from his rookie year. He shot 43.6% from the floor and... from beyond the arc, which is a big jump up from 26.2% as a rookie. Alfred Payton got better offensively in many, many ways, at least his individual offensive statistics. He was able to take steps forward. Yet, there may not be any more question about a player on the Magic roster than Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton is kind of he's the engine that keeps the team going and he struggled significantly during his sophomore year during his second season on a lot of different things that point guards just have to do when he was healthy at the beginning of the season the magic were rolling and and everyone no one could complain about Peyton his jumper needed improvement still but it wasn't an alarm it wasn't alarming and I you know I think Peyton the, the fact that Everyone's worried about Peyton's jumper. I think it will continue to improve and at least get to a respectable level. It doesn't yet necessarily need to be fantastic. It just needs to be enough to keep defenses honest. That's always been what his story has been, is. Peyton, though, struggled in many, many ways. His defense took a significant decrease by every measure, by what we saw with our eyes and statistically. He went from 2.3 defensive win shares to 1.7 defensive win shares as as a sophomore. And and, and more alarmingly, his defensive box plus minus went from 0.8, so a positive defensive player, to negative 0.5, a negative defensive player. And defensive box plus minus is an estimation of how many points per 100 possessions a, a player adds or subtracts from his team above the average player. So he was a half point worse than the average player on defense last season, based on based on this metric. It doesn't didn't it doesn't take a number though to tell you that. Scott Skiles subtly called him out on several occasions, saying, you know, we got to keep guard, opposing guards out of the paint. Peyton really struggled getting around screens, and there was definite frustration from from the young player uh, with how the season went. 
With all that being said, there are certainly reasons for, for that to happen. Peyton had a, 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 sprain, a bruised his shin or sprained his ankle in, in December and had to play through it because the Magic didn't have any other viable point guard options and Scott Skiles being a win-now guy needed him out there. There was still never a better option on the team. C.J. Watson was out with a calf injury. Uh, Shabazz Napier just, just didn't fit the bill. And they tried using Mario Azoni and Victor Oladipo to, to, to fill the gap. It clearly didn't work. And when Peyton got better later in the season, the Magic started playing better too. The Magic were always better when Alfred Peyton was playing at a high level. He really was the barometer for the Magic last season. And so the question now is, how do you get more out of him? Certainly, the Magic are invested in him. There was plenty of rumors of a clash between Peyton and Skiles, uh, just just as far as what his role for the future of the team would be. Uh, whether those were true or not, who knows? You know, it's it's it, it's all a matter of speculation at this point. Peyton, though, is firmly grounded and put in the place of the Magic's point guard for now. And so, the, again, the question is, how did the Magic get the most of him? Well, certainly, playing him with jump shooters isn't going to... I mean, playing him to shoot jumpers isn't going to do it. Uh, last year, I think he really struggled working in a motion offense. He's a pick-and-roll point guard. He needs the ball in his hands, needs to get in the paint and create. And what the Magic's offense last year was, was a mo- it was a motion offense. It was a spread the floor, move the ball quickly around the perimeter, inside and out, uh, less, less dribbling, get, you know, use, use, the, use the pass to get into the paint rather than the dribble. Shock Vaughn's offense was very much pick and rolls. We're going to keep things very simple, spread the floor, run pick and rolls, get into the paint that way. And I think Peyton struggled a little bit not getting that concept, but implementing that concept effectively. What do I mean by that? I mean that Peyton, that, you know, that Peyton kind of fell for, okay, this is what we have to do as a team. So I'm going to not do what I'm good at and what makes me successful and ultimately what makes the team successful to appease the coach. And, 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 you know, again, this is kind of all speculation on my end um, that 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 he didn't that he didn't quite get that part of things. Watching him play, he would sometimes it, it felt like he sometimes just kind of listed along, just kind of went with the flow of the offense rather than running the offense. When Payton did get those opportunities to drive, he was successful with them. When he did get those opportunities to really run the team the way he needed to run them, he was successful. And I would suspect with this year's Magic team, because Peyton will make the right play. He's, he's not a high turnover guy. Last year, he had a 17.9% turnover rate, which isn't great, but it was down from 20.2. So he was beginning to get things. He was using more possessions and, and frankly, using them more effectively. His assist rate stayed about the same. You know, his assist stayed about the same. So he added a little bit of offense and he improved his jumper a little bit. And so what's going to be interesting for Frank Vogel, because I I actually anticipate Frank Vogel running another similar motion-based offense, uh, 
It's how do you manage Alfred Payton with his with his still lack of a jump shot with that kind of an offense? And how do you give Payton the freedom, and it is freedom and trust, to to instinctually know this is my time to attack. We need to just get in the paint to get in the paint and suck the defense in. What what that you know what the motion base we're doing right now isn't quite gonna get us there. Or we need to mix it up, they're kind of sitting on it. These are all things a point guard has to know how to do. And when, you, when you're a point guard in the NBA, I think there is a big amount of trust that a coach and a point guard have to have that, that wasn't there with Skiles. Like, Skiles is a controlling guy. He, wants to, he wanted to control a lot of the game. And I think Peyton rubbed against that, and I think Peyton struggled with that. And that's something Peyton has to grow from and learn from, too. But I think Vogel's going to give. I think Vogel's going to give guys a lot more freedom, not to necessarily make mistakes, but to make their own decisions and learn from those decisions. And I think that's going to help unlock Peyton too. Peyton's obviously got a lot of work he's got to do individually. He's got to become a better jump shooter. He's got to become respectable there, and he, he may never be a. 48, 49% shooter. He may never be a 37, 38, 39% three-point shooter. But he's got to be respectable. He's got to make the defense pay once or twice when they, when they leave him open and t- you know, start taking up space. Peyton is very, very good at taking up space when he's given it. And so when he's given the space, he's got he's to take it and he's got to have the willingness and the freedom to be aggressive at all times. And I think if they do that, they'll get more out of Alfred Payton this year than they did last year. Moving on now to something that that we've talked about, at least somewhat tangentially, uh, about the Magic schedule. I know a lot of Magic fans are upset about this. Uh, the Ma- and, and, you know, maybe Alfred Payton has something to do with this too, uh, for, for to some extent. The Orlando Magic's national TV schedule is, uh, let's say, non-existent. The Orlando Magic will be on national TV, including NBA TV, just four times this season, at, the, at least where we stand now. It is the fewest amount in the NBA. That's right, the Sixers are on national TV more than the Magic, and, and, ben Sim- and, and there's a reason for that. The reason is probably Ben Simmons. Uh, David Iwanowski uh, of Orlando Magic Daily, uh, and, and, and this is sort of a preview for a podcast that's coming up later today. I had a longer conversation with David about the offseason and, and the schedule and what this all means for the Magic and where they're going. Uh, but I just want to touch on this briefly. Uh, and I agree with David completely on this. The lack of national TV games is purely a, 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 a function of the Magic's lack of stars. It has nothing to do with the with whether team whether ESPN or TNT think I mean Magic are going to be on TNT, but it has nothing to do with whether ESPN believes the Magic will make the playoffs or not. It has nothing to say. It, it says nothing. It does not mean that the Magic that the the national TV broadcasters believe the Magic are going to finish with the worst record in the league. What what this snub, if you want to call it that, means is the Magic just don't have players and are not a team that attract a national television audience. Remember, the national TV schedule is built so people can tune in, especially casual fans. And while Aaron Gordon has some name power, 
he isn't a good enough player to sell himself quite yet. Everyone knows who he is, but no one is quite ready. I mean, but if you watch, I mean, I, I, I kind of suspect this will be different this year, but he isn't the star player. The Minnesota Timberwolves are not on national TV as much as they are because of Zach Levine. They're on national TV because Carl Anthony Towns won Rookie of the Year and Andrew Wiggins is uh, a really good player. As, as David wrote in his post, the Orlando Magic, because of their wins, are an outlier. He did a regression model to, to take a look at what, you know, what your win projection for, from ESPN or what your wins from the previous season should mean for national TV games, and the Magic are way below that. At 35, at 35 games, they should have, a, at 35 wins, they should have about 15 national television games, including NBA TV. It's not a strong correlation, of course, and that's not how the world works, of course, too. Uh, but the Magic are certainly can certainly complain that you know we're not getting respect for what we accomplished on the national TV schedule. Of course, again, that's not what it's about. It's about eyeballs. And so if the Magic win games and they get into, a, into the playoff hunt, I am sure we will see games added to the NBA TV schedule at least, if not the ESPN schedule. If not even the TNT schedule, who knows? I haven't taken a, look, I haven't taken a detailed look at, at the TNT windows that the Magic might be in. So, don't take this as a slight. I know some people did. This isn't a slight against the Magic. This is just the fact. Orlando's not going to play a, a particularly exciting brand of basketball. They're going to play a lot of defense. They're going to try and do the Memphis Grizzlies style of just grind teams out and beat them with defense. Uh, they'll be a little more exciting than that. They'll get out and transition more and try and take threes, but that's essentially what they're going to do. The Magic, I mean, again, this is all things people don't care, that, that the Magic people don't care about. It would be nice to be on national TV. I know people who don't live in Orlando would love to see the Magic on national TV. And they'll get there. As you win, you get more national television appearances. You compete for the playoffs, you make the playoffs, you're on national TV. And so those opportunities will come. But the Magic got to earn them. Their young talent, their young unproven talent have to prove themselves still. They have to show the NBA world and the broadcasters that they're worth tuning into. We as Magic fans are going to tune into all 82 games anyway. Uh, we're, the fans that, that ESPN is worried about are the fans in Los Angeles, the fans in Topeka, Kansas, the fans in Norman, Oklahoma, the fans, the fans in, you know, Worcester, Mass, the fans in uh, Macon, Georgia, the fans in, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina, fans that don't necessarily have a connection to the NBA, but are going to tune into the NBA anyway. They're fans of the league, not necessarily fans of a team. 
and to showcase the league to that audience, to that larger audience that may, that doesn't watch every game, that they're just going to tune into that one game, and that's all they're going to see for the of the NBA for that week. They got to put the best up front. They got to put the teams that have the most interest, which is why the Lakers and Knicks, despite how terrible they might be, are going to be on national TV a lot. They attract eyeballs for right or wrong reasons. They do, and that's. That's how the national TV schedule gets made. I'll have a lot more on that later on today. You can check out check that out later on the day. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, so stay stick close to your iTunes enabled listening device or to Audio Boom or Stitcher. Uh, later on today, I'll publish uh, our latest episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast with David Iwanowski. We talk a little bit more about the schedule and the Magic's offseason as well. Uh, That'll do it for today's episode of Locked on Magic. I want to thank everyone for listening once again. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network. Like like I've been saying, they have just about every team you you want in the NBA. If you're ever curious about what's going on with, say, uh, the Hornets, you can check out Locked on Hornets. I know they gave us a good shout-out yesterday as we were talking about Bismack Biombo. So I want to thank them for that. And be sure to check out their great podcast as well as the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll recap the Olympics as well as talk a little bit about uh, Aaron Gordon and what he needs to do to improve as well as a little bit about the coach, about Frank Vogel uh, too. So be on the lookout for that. I'm looking forward to talking to you then. Thanks everyone for listening once again. I will see you all tomorrow. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17